Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. We have veterans on the staff this week, so blowing out your ears did not happen. Last week we had uh, Chuck Williams in, the Chuck Wagon Charles Williams, so I didn't want to scare the young man as he was filling in for an hour on Cofield and Company. We're live here at the TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, watching some college football tonight. A little preseason hockey, which uh, last night I saw the uh, national coverage. Uh, VGK, it was kind of interesting, is uh, Ed Olchek and Kenny Albert were on the scene. But today's football, all about football on a Friday. Caleb Herring is in for all three hours, which we're thrilled about because, uh, yeah, we have great football people and, you know, JVT and Adam Hill and myself and Devon. But this guy played the game. Uh, when you hear him break down the game, he knows what he's talking about. So what's up, buddy? What's up? The Golden Circle is yes. what's up right now. Have you been here? I have. This is my third time, I think, being here specifically. Have you done the show with us I did the show with you right. earlier in the summer. And I think it was back in July. But Horrific memory on my part. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's okay, Steve. It happens. It, as, it, as we get older, it, it happens. Well, as it I fades. get older, you can, be, you can be fair. As I get older, <laughs> you see the slippage no, it's, every it's, week. I've been here. I've been here. It's a good spot. It's great. The sports are on. You said preseason hockey. There's preseason basketball around the corner, which is fantastic. There's all kinds of sports. It's like the golden age of sports. Right now, where all of the sports seem to be converging, playoff baseball is also there for those that are into that sport, into the diamond action. Uh, that's around the corner. October is just like a fantastic month all around for the sporting world. But I'll tell you this. What blew my mind today was nothing to do with sports. I stopped at the Starbucks on the way in here. and Here we go with the Starbucks free pop. I'm I thought this was going to be a disaster. Your reaction was so over the top. It was over Demond, the top. you had to see this. I was I was fearing for the man's health when he was uh, he was eating some sort of pastry. Yeah. So Starbucks does these seasonal things. Everybody knows pumpkin spice. Everybody goes crazy every year about pumpkin spice. And I'm not on that bandwagon, okay? So, no, it's not pumpkin spice that I overreacted to. They released, they dropped an apple croissant. I don't know who's in the lab at Starbucks coming up with these concoctions, but... I swear I just bit into an apple pie wrapped in a warm croissant, and it blew my mind instantly. I had like a 10-second moment with this croissant. It's seasonal, and I really just hope that it doesn't go away. Like, make it permanent because I will be a Starbucks junkie if that's the case. Like, give me the app. Give me the stars. I want more of this apple croissant. It's ridiculous how good this thing is. Come on, are you a Starbucks guy? I'm not, but I'm going to be after that. Damn. I mean, they need to cut the check for you, Caleb, because yeah, mouse water and I want one. <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> Starbies, thank you. Thank you for that today. I, I like the, the co-host, the company, in a good mood. That generally does not happen as we open things on Friday. <laughs> now I'm going to get attacked by both of the guys when they come back. They're like, you're the grumpy one. <laughs> All right. Um, last night, the Bears win. We'll get to the breakdown of the game and Justin Fields because we have the season-long bet with Justin Fields against Jordan Love and Justin Fields is – rebounded uh, his season, and for DeMond, that's a good thing because he's got the Justin Field side of the bet. We haven't talked about the tush push, used to be the bush push, or now what 
people would like to have it called is the brotherly shove because it's Philly's thing. Oh, my God. We've examined this a lot. We examined it the other day with Miles Simmons from PFT, and yeah, he, he said it repeatedly. Most teams can't do this. The Eagles have special qualities that allow them to do it. Their quarterback is a truck. Their line is, in, in some of the spots, is an all-timer. So the Bears did it last night. The Giants did it and actually got guys hurt. The Chargers tried to do it last week with Justin Herbert possessing something jacked up on his left hand, which was insane. I didn't, you know, I saw the numbers today. You know, Philly has run this thing in the regular season 37 times. They've gotten a first down or scored a touchdown on 34 of the attempts. It's 92% foolproof. It's why, why, why does it work so well? And there's got to be other teams that can do it. I think the Bears can, and they showed that last night. They were pretty successful in the few times that they tried it. It's a mix of the leverage. It's a mix of uh, the timing of the quarterback. There is an art to quarterback sneaking, and Tom Brady was one of those guys who was really good at it. Uh, but then it also helps when your quarterback can squat the most on the team, which is like the case of Jalen Hurts. Like That guy's massive in the weight room. So it's like, yeah, get that massive humanity going forward, and you're going to have some success. Now, I will say there's the movement to get the play banned. I'm not a part of that movement. I would like to get the name Tush Push banned. I just don't think it sounds like a football thing. I, I don't think anybody should. It's a little soft. Should, yeah, should be going around talking about tushies. Nah. You know, like it's it's aggressive. It's physical. I will say this, and you know where I'm going. It shouldn't be a quarterback stat. Jalen Hurts should oh, not I get forgot. credited with a touchdown. This is absurd. The entire team this is the one of your worst involved ever. should get a touchdown in the stats. He wants team touchdowns like team rebounds. Absolutely. Make it happen. Why don't we make it happen? I think the guys up front are just as important to the play as the quarterback. Give those boys a touchdown. Give them the rushing yard. It's only one yard. Come on. It's not like Jalen Hurts did it by himself. If we're going to allow it to be around, I'm fine with that. But give credit where it's due. It is an offensive touchdown, not a Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown. No, we're it's not going to change that. Touchdown. We're not going to change it anytime soon because I have Jalen Hurts MVP ticket, so I want him to score 23 touchdowns this year, all on one-yard runs. <laughs> Just, how awesome would that be? And then you're like, who else contributed to whatever? Even if he only throws like 24 touchdown passes, who else scored 47 touchdowns? No one. MVP. He's MVP. like, it's a fantasy cheat code is what it is. I know everybody that got Jalen Hurts on their fantasy yeah. team is like, do it. <laughs> do the tush push. Yeah. We'll take it. I got, uh, I got poor man Jalen Hurts, um, as I like to call him, uh, Danny Dimes. Same oh, thing. I'm sorry. Well, don't make that noise. <laughs> you got Danny Dimes. He was well, going to have a breakout year. They he, paid him. Well, I was like, he gets, he gets good rushing yards. Yeah. Um, I forgot about the passing part that maybe he'd regress to the mean and uh, Dable would <laughs> – Lose it and start throwing uh, tablets at him, but that's happening right now. So give me your take on the Bears last night. Um, they got out to a, a great start. Second half wasn't awesome, but they held off the uh, Sam Howell-led commanders. They should have won two weeks ago, so I, I, I keep wanting to say they have two wins. They have one win, yeah. but things, are they going in the right direction? Because they also traded Claypool for nothing, but as I pointed out in our notes, all, I don't think it's all Claypool, but Justin Fields, since Claypool is gone, is like 43 of 64 617 with eight touchdowns and one interception. So could a receiver who wasn't playing that much anyway be that toxic? Claypool's a cancer. I mean, that's the only logical explanation. He's a cancer. Get him out and everything's going great, right? Justin Fields figured it out. No, I think what they figured out is simplify things a little bit. You got a guy in DJ Moore that's an absolute weapon. He needs to touch the ball. And there was times in the first half or the first couple of games of the season where he just looked frustrated, like, hey, 
get the ball in my hands. Let me go. Let me loose. And that's what they did. A lot of those throws are not complicated route schemes. It's not the coach uh, dialing up a play that's just masterful. It's not Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs. It's, hey, run a 10-yard stop. Get open. I'm going to hit you on the outside shoulder. Do the rest. I think it was like half of uh, DJ Moore's yards were yards after catch, which, you know, again, one of my hot takes is, I don't think the quarterback should get all the credit for those yards. I think there's a cap to it. Like if DJ Moore is running 90 yards after catch, I think split that in half. Let let Justin Fields get some of it, but Moore deserves more credit for what he did. I was you, very cheesy. I didn't. Are I you didn't just suddenly super objective, or are you anti-quarterback? You're like really trying to take stats away from quarterbacks. Right? I'm trying to help quarterbacks if they listen because take the pressure off yourself, man. Like let your guys do what they do. That's the reason they they make money. They make you look good. Throw five-yard hits, yes, I'm, I'm all for it. And then when it turns around and the team's losing like the Bears were, then you can really honestly say it's not all the quarterback's fault because it, it really isn't. Neither one, success nor failure in football is all on the quarterback. But the narrative for so long has been that it is. You have to have good quarterback play or else you won't win. You have to do this. You have to pay your quarterback $200 million. You have to do this, and that's the only way you win. And I think that we've – made that the the mainstream narrative in football and i'm anti that and i'm going every chance i get to realistically i'm not going to be ridiculous about this but every chance i get to join, realistically join the show take credit away from quarterbacks and put the greatest team sport on display and the elements of team on display i'm going to do it and dj moore and the bears helped me do that i think dj moore needs more credit for what the bears did yes fields did his job he did his part but dj moore carried the day for the bears DJ Moore's pretty fast. Yeah. And based on his appearance, does he look fat to you? He's got a thick man's face. Right? But I thought his body looked a little bit round. Damon, if you didn't wear schmediums <laughs> and you dressed more baggy, would you be fat would you be fat in people's eyes? Have uh, you tried I mean, it before? Maybe a little. I've looked yeah. at some pictures and said, hey, my face is a little chunky. Okay, Demond, you don't have to take that, man. I know he really put me on the spot there. Making that was me that was an all-out attack. I'm actually, in my book. I'm caring for him. I'm saying, if you dress baggy, do you look fat? That's all. I, think, I, I have like I have really tight pants on today, and I like the way I look at them because, because you have, when I wear baggy pants, I look like even more of a fat. You ass. just threw this lot to me. You have immaculate calves, Steve. No, calves make the pants. I try. I really work them. Yeah. If you if you walk the amount of stairs that you do during the course of a football season, I think your calves will pay off. And I think you have great calves. Thanks, man. So the it's pants really, it's will, really getting tight here, isn't it? The, the pants will, will, will work. Damon yeah. wearing baggy clothes, I don't know. Because there are some boxers who wear, like, really big clothes, and maybe for training purposes. And sure. then when you watch them in those big clothes, it's like, huh. He's not very muscular. Yeah. I could take him. He's not in good shape. And he takes his shirt off. It's like, placow, yeah. oh, shredded. No. <laughs> so we got trouble. maybe that's the case. I don't know. All right, coming up next, we got Mark McMillan, the former Eagle, the former Chief, and lots of other teams. He's going to break down uh, not only what he did this week in terms of cooking, his engagement coming up at the Speedway next week, and he also had some interesting comments, made some suggestions about what might be going on in the Raiders' locker room. It's time for Grillin' McMillan with ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan on Cofield and Company. All right, Mighty Mac is up. Caleb Herring's here, the former UNLV quarterback. He's hosting the show today as a company. It's Cofield. T.I., what's up, Mark? 
what's going on, man? I want to first uh, give my condolences to the Buckets family. Everybody knows that we lost one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. So I wanted to pay homage to the late, great Dick Buckets. So, you know, I wanted to talk about Dick Buckets during this spot with you. So let's get right to it. You're a little bit younger than me. Um, just, I don't know, what it, what does he mean to you? Like, what do you remember from an image standpoint? Did you ever get to meet him? I think we all have a different impression at different ages and different exposure to Dick Butkus. So I was wondering what you think of. Um, just playing, you know, obviously, you know, growing up and seeing some of his highlights and the way he played the game and obviously playing in that kind of like that era uh, with little middle linebackers of Ray Lewis, the Byron Evans, uh, the Singletary's, uh, you know, the Hardy Nickerson. There was a lot of good linebackers that, you know, really got after it. Um, obviously, back in the day, Dick Buckus took it to another level, um, and he was able to get away with it and, um, you know, arguably one of the best linebackers to ever do it, uh, you know. So just seeing the film and, you know, obviously guys talking about they want to be Dick Buckus growing up. Uh, you know, I know Byron Evans, our middle linebacker in Philadelphia, you know, he's always talked about Dick Buckus. Um, you know, Derek Thomas, who I played with, my Alabama teammate, won the Buckus Award. Uh, so, you know, it just – it just goes to show you, man, the impact that he had on the game of football. Um, even as little kids, you know, you uh, some kids wanted to grow up and be like Mike. Man, there's a lot of kids grew up wanting to be like Dick Buckus and Gail Sayers, his teammate. And that's probably like more the the mentality of football that comes from Buckus. I think there's a generation. Anytime you got an, an award named after you, you know your impact was felt across the board. Obviously, the Bears last night were in action, and they, I think, paid homage in the best way you can, and you tweeted about this, and, and really honoring him with a victory and playing a, a different brand of football than what we've seen to the point to this point with them. How, how do you think that loss and that, that death impacted their play and their performance on Thursday night? Um, you know, they've been told, you know, all year. They haven't won a game in almost over uh, in almost a year, and they, they've been trying to clean house, uh, you know, with, with players, uh, coordinators, and, you know, being, losing a big game like they did last last week, they were up big and didn't come in the fourth quarter and they lose the game. Go on the road where you don't have to hear the chatter of your fans in your stadium and just go play football. And obviously, you know, when I'm sure that, that weighed heavily on, on that organization when you lose a great player uh, with the caliber of Dick Buckus. Um, I remember we lost uh, Jerome Brown uh, my rookie year in Philly. And, you know, we kept his uniform in the locker room at all times. We even traveled with his jersey. Um, and, you know, every time we broke the huddle, you know, we broke JB, which stands for Jerome Brown. And, you know, Reggie White, you know, some games you see these guys just crying, man, just, just reminiscent of how great an impact uh, Jerome Brown had on our defense. Um, I didn't get a chance to play with him, but uh, just the way he played the game and watched the way he played the game on film, we were really inspired that year to go try to win a Super Bowl for Jerome. You know, Dick Buck has had a, a real big second career as a pitch man. And a guy who was on a lot of TV shows, and we'll get into that a little later on. Uh, Mark has developed this second career as a TV and radio star and also a celebrity chef. Embrace it, man. You're a celebrity chef. Um, be honest. You're, you're cooking at a pretty good shindig next week at the Speedway with the race around. Uh, one, do you get nerve? Like, do you feel nerves? And, and two, like, how far out are you putting a menu together and starting to think about how you're going to do it? Because I know you told us last week it could be anywhere from 50 people that you're serving to 500. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I've got a little butterflies. It's almost like game day for me. Um, you know, it's, it's a different uh, path that I'm taking. And uh, like I said, man, you've been with me for a long time when I was just throwing rocks on the grill, and here I am 
looking at NASCAR. Come on, man. It doesn't get any bigger than that. So next Saturday, October the 14th, uh, from 5.30 p.m. to 6.15 p.m., I'll be on the Inner Circle tent while I'll be doing a Grillin' McMillan demonstration while I'll be doing barbecue, pulled pork sliders with a nice little crunchy coleslaw, and we'll have refreshments for the kids. We'll have water. we have chips. Um, you know, they're doing a really good job. Jeff and Jennifer out there at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, gave me this opportunity, man, to go out there and mingle with the fans. And then Sunday, I have been chosen as one of the honorary captains, uh, also with Nick Cannon. Uh, you know, they're going to announce somebody else uh, pretty soon. I can't say who it is, but it's going to be a celebrity stud lineup. And they're actually introducing me to the fans with the racers on Sunday. So I'm so pumped up, man. It's a great opportunity for me and my brand. And I can't thank you guys enough over at, uh, you know, Lotus ESPN and Steve for continuing to give me this platform, man. They expand. Man, that's big. I, you may have answered this question for Steve and others, but I, I want to know, and maybe some people listening want to know, where the, the second career kicked off, where the passion the grill kicked in for Mark McMillan. Was this some after your career? Some were you always cooking, even while you were a player? I, I was always cooking when I was a player. Um, obviously, you know, I, I wasn't in a relationship, so I had to figure out. I couldn't eat cheesesteaks every day, so I had to figure out. Man, I got <laughs> I got to cook something up. You know, in New Orleans, we had gumbo. Uh, so, and then COVID hit, and obviously, we couldn't go out to restaurants. And um, I just started grilling every day. It's like, you know, if we can't go to restaurants and eat, we got to eat something. So I just started firing up the grill, man. And, and honing in on my skills and, and uh, you know, my task. And obviously that led to being on Next Level Chef uh, with Gordon Ramsay. And now this opportunity uh, with uh, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway to partner up with NASCAR. Come on, NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> Mark McMillan is up on Cofield and Company. All right, I saw some of your Twitter comments this week on various situations around the NFL. One, uh, you were talking about the Raiders having a look in the mirror here and talking about locker room management and motivation, you know, and you said if things were going like this uh, with the Eagles back in your day, um, you know, heads would have been uh, at least clashed together. I don't want to say neck snapped, but um, what do you think is going on right now in terms of motivation and who's stepping up to be a leader? Because obviously someone's going to round up the troops or everyone after the game is going to sound like Josh Jacobs, and I'm not banging on him, but Josh Jacobs sounded really frustrated last week, so I wonder who's policing this whole thing. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, obviously Devontae Adams came out with his comment. He kind of, you know, played the scaled on the fence, but hey, I didn't mean it toward management, but obviously the management hurt what he was saying. And then you go out with a performance like that. You know, obviously a rookie played really well, in my opinion. Um, I think they, you know, put him in a bad spot on the goal line in the red zone. You know, give Josh Jacobs the ball. They were running the ball pretty good. Um, give him some opportunities. Don't just give him a pass play off the, off the top. And obviously, you're using the using the, one of the best receivers in the league, Devontae Adams, as a decoy on a rub route. So that whole situation was, was crazy, man. But like I said, Josh, you can just uh, hear his frustration. You can see the way he ran last week, too, man. He ran with power. He ran angry. Um, you know, Max has continued to say, hey, man, Raider Nation, I'm behind you. You know, enough of that rah-rah stuff, man. You just got to go out there and smack dudes in the mouth and win. We're not getting it from the head coach, as you see his uh, his uh, press conferences each week. We need to get better. Uh, we need to show up some things. Uh, you, you know, you take the coach from the, the Detroit Lions. He is fired up, man. Yep. He said, we're not the hunter. He's like, come get me. You know, you, you need a coach that's going to fire guys up and guys want to play for. And I think Josh, man, he's not that guy that's going to fire up the troops. 
You talk about being fired up and coaches getting fired up. Dan Campbell is the most fired up coach on record right now. But uh, with your position, going back to your DB days, you get fired up watching DBs these days. And you were saying that maybe some DBs in last night's game need to challenge receivers and get up in their face. As a DB, how fired up do you have to be to take that challenge and to step up in a receiver's face and say, not on me, you're not getting past me today? You know, it's hard enough to uh, stop these receivers. And then you give these guys a yard or two yards, it's impossible. You know, and last night, you know, obviously the rookie uh, out of Mississippi State is going to be a really good player. You know, he was just barking a little bit too much against uh, to A.J. Brown last uh, last week in Philly. And then obviously last night on the on the big stage, uh, the young man, had I think the receiver had like over 250 yards. I think I tweeted, I was like, man, somebody hit me for 250. I'm shutting off all my social media. I ain't talking to nobody. I'm deleting every picture. I'm just, like, just locked in. And you just got to just, you know, focus up. And, you know, being a defensive back, you got to take that challenge, man. It's, it's, you know, there's no help. It's zero coverage. So, you know, either you play in press coverage, you're going to get one route. You're probably going to, well, two. Maybe get a slant or you're going to get a fade route. If you're playing off coverage, they can run any route they want. So, you just gave uh, the, the receiver a two-way go, a receiver that was hot as fish grease last night, too. Money Mouse is with us. So, Mark, give me a glass uh, half full on J.C. Jackson. I mean, you played the position. Why does Belichick want him? He had good times with him, but he clearly had a lot of issues, including a major injury with the Chargers. What do you think Belichick sees, aside from some need at that position, that he believes he can resurrect J.C. Jackson and get him back to form? I just think uh, he's familiar with the system. Um, you know, you look at the Belichick system, those guys normally run a lot of cover, too, a lot of zone coverage. Uh, you go back to Ty Law's days, everybody thought he was making all these interceptions. They're playing a lot of zone coverage. Uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, they can get this young man back. He's familiar with the with the system. Um, the young man out of Oregon, the DB, they drafted a high. I think he's hurt. Uh, so there's a need there to fill in for that young man. So hopefully, you know, a little familiarity coming back uh, to a place that you had really good success at. Usually regenerate the guy's career, and hopefully, you know, he can get that because the Patriots secondary is, is uh, hurting with a lot of injuries right now. That's a good gamble because the Chargers throw an 8 mil to expedite the deal, and the Patriots only owe Jackson 1.55 mil. Remainder of the season, the rest of the contract's not guaranteed. So uh, read the the, uh, the fine print on these contracts, $82.5 million, and uh, there's yeah. an out after two years. All right, we got to get to Mark's cooking this week. Uh, one, you said sometimes you got to use whatever you have in the fridge. You made some hey, Cajun sa- uh, sausage pasta. That did not look easy, but it looked really good. Uh, it took like 15 minutes, and I, I think I added Adam in that tweet too because I'm really trying to get my guy Adam in to, to stop eating out as much, man. It's, uh, just, start, just turn on the hot stove and cook it up. So I just took some regular uh, angel hair pasta, some cream, some uh, green, red bell peppers, some onions, sautéed the, uh, the sausage for about two or three minutes and some olive oil, and you just combine it together. It is an easy meal, but it, it tastes delicious. So anybody can make that pasta, man. It's a shrimp Cajun pasta. But I also use my Grilla McMillan spices. Uh, that that is coming back as well. So I got to go to Arizona next week uh, to pick up my barbecue sauce, and we're doing we're, we're doing really good. And shout out to the Las Vegas Speedway too, man. They bought a hundred bottles of my barbecue sauce already Woo. to give out to the fans on Saturday. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I saw you also made a spicy chicken biscuit sandwich. You know, Bojangles is Ooh. coming to town. Why do Ooh. we need them? We got you. Oh. 
Oh, I do eat them. You know, I, I I take the picture real quick and I, I eat it real fast. Man. So I just take a like uh, boneless, skinless chicken breast. Uh, you know, I just throw a little breading in there, a little flour, a little lard, a little lemon pepper to the batter, and you just fry it. And I just toss it in my sweet heat barbecue sauce. Put it on top of a flake, flaky buttermilk biscuit. Come on, man! It's better. Than, it's better than Chick Fil A. I'm telling. Flake, flaky buttermilk biscuit is my new love language. I... <laughs> I'm excited. This is really, when Mark's hey. on, this really is uh, like borderline pornographic. Um, Mark, what's going hey, on this a, week? Go ahead, Mark. That could be a call right there, man. Flaky buttermilk biscuits, right? <laughs> I like it. Is, I like it. Mixing two passions. <laughs> uh, hey, Mark, shout, hey, shout out to the UNLV football program too, man. Yeah. Coach Oden and what those guys are doing over there, um, and, and shout out to you guys too for the great coverage, man. I know it's got to be a lot of fun for you guys to see these guys putting up points getting stops, winning games that they were losing in the past. So, shout-out to the UNLV football program, man. They're, 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 they're close. They're real close, man. They're playing hard. Uh, last one, the uh, Channel 8 show since uh, Raiders play on Monday. What are you guys doing? you still do the show on Sunday morning? Actually, I'm flying to Philadelphia tomorrow morning. Um, they're flying like eight or nine uh, former players from the Eagles, and they're throwing a party for it. So, it's like 100 people that they're throwing an Eagles party for us on Sunday. Uh, so I'll hop back on the plane Monday night, and I'll cover the game. I'll hop back on the plane Monday morning, and I'll cover the game on uh, on Monday night, and I'll do the post-game show. So I won't be on the pre-game show on Sunday. So I'll be doing the post-game show live uh, from the stadium from Monday night. So I'm going to be flying, man. Mark, you're the best. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon, okay? I right, appreciate it. Keep up the great work, guys. There he is, Mighty Mac. And, yeah, on UNLV uh, football and the coverage, it's picking up. Like, you can see when teams win, I mean, it's natural. Uh, I've always said if UNLV football ever gets to a point where they can at least consistently get six or seven wins at a men, make a bowl game every year like Nevada was doing for the longest time until recently, there is a community here that wants to support UNLV football and wants to go out to the games. They want to be there, and you see it. The spike is there. And then some of the timing of the, the press releases that the university is doing to capitalize on it. I, this week, the, the Raiders yeah. donation was, was blasted out there. It's like perfect opportunity. Strike while the iron's hot. There's a buzz capitalize on it and it definitely did going into recruiting weekend free parking uh in the garage self-parking here all the time at ti for the golden circle sportsbook and bar free valet and they're always adding stuff to the menu you can come down try the uh, carne asada fries uh this looks awesome uh you can add that to uh, a varied menu with different cuisines like the uh, local moco i love the chicken fingers here but you know i'm a, a chicken finger maniac but not on the road <laughs> not you you keep it at home you can do the chicken fingers when you go on the road you got to be adventurous right everybody Mac Jones is not a creator, okay? But they're asking him to create. So that starts with a scheme problem. When you look at what he did in 2021, had the number six offense in the NFL. Who was his coordinator? Josh McDaniel. Mm -hmm. Now you move forward to this year, and they have one of the worst offenses in the league. Well, what's the difference? Well, in 2021, they were doing play action 27% of the time. That's the type of player that Mac Jones is. Right now, they're doing it 14% of the time. So because of that, they're asking him to, all right, we need you to go out and scramble a little bit. We're going to have the play going to break down. You're going to do all these different things. And that's not who he is. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. All right, here, RG3 on ESPN talking about McEnroe Jones, petulant young man, Mac Jones in year number three. Caleb Herring is here. He's a co-host, former quarterback at UNLV. I want to get to uh, another former NFL quarterback in Cam Newton here in a second, and RG3 as well. 
Explain that conversation about the amount of play-action passing you're doing and that Mac Jones is not a creator. There are types uh, when, you, when you're talking about quarterback. There's not one way to play a position. The best situations are those where the quarterback's style and the system that the coaching staff implements match and are married, and they just work well together. Jalen Hurts was an example of this last year with offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. The quarterback skill set matched perfectly with what Shane Steichen wanted to do. And then you have one of the most dynamic and explosive offenses in the history of the NFL, right? Led by Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is not one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, but because the system matched, it worked. Mac Jones now, with New England, has had three different systems that asked him to do three different things as a quarterback. And I think what RG3 was alluding to here is the fact that you are putting your quarterback in a lose-lose situation. One, executing what you're asking him to execute is already hard for any quarterback, let alone if it's not that quarterback style. Then you're asking him to create something in a style that he's not comfortable with, in a style that he has not executed at a high level before. It's hard to do that. And then you do it in the NFL? That's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous ask. And I think more people need to take account for things like that. The amount of offensive coordinators that you have definitely plays a role in your success. I, for instance, in college, every year that I played in college, I had a different offensive coordinator. That is all kinds of messed up for every player, but especially for the quarterback. Mac Jones has been put in a situation where he's expected to adjust and adapt as if he's a veteran, as if the system's being built around him and his skill set. It's not. The skill set that he's good at is play-action pass, heavy on the run, risk-free passing game, and managing the game and, and leading a talented team to wins. He's not being asked to do that right now. He's being asked to make plays like Patrick Mahomes and keep pace with some of the other elite quarterbacks in the AFC. He's not going to do that. And if you think he is, you failed as management. I'll go even farther than just the coaches. You failed as management to hire people to put that draft pick in the best position possible to help the offense succeed. Mac Jones isn't what they're trying to make him out to be. He never has been. And the fact that the Patriots aren't or either too stubborn to adjust course here with him or whatever the case may be, maybe they're trying to sabotage him and get rid of him and go somewhere else. I don't know. But Mac Jones is not squarely to blame for the offensive woes that the Patriots are going through this year. 364-1100, Caller 7 right now. You can win a tailgate party pack, six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs. Porta Subs, of course, your neighborhood sandwich shop. And you qualify for a chance to win a Yeti cooler. The party pack is presented by Finley Volvo Las Vegas and Porta Subs. Caller 7 right now, 364-1100. RG3 also involved in a convo with Cam Newton. I thought this was a really interesting conversation. I know what we do, some of us, in the media to try to get clicks, try to get people to read. The conclusion out of this, or the, the big catch quote, was about Cam Newton not coming back to play for the Jets for $5.5 million, not worth his time. Right. But there's more to the conversation, which I can appreciate the honesty here from Cam Newton. The roller coaster ride that I went through as I chased this story, like, and this is why in the age of social media and TikTok and reels on Instagram, there's these 10 minute bites and it's like people create a whole narrative and paint a picture of somebody based on those seconds. It's like, I heard Cam Newton say, I'm not playing for 5.5 million. Don't penny pinch me. That's the headline. Right. And you're like, Whoa, Cam, settle down. Like you want to play or not, bro. Then you listen to the rest of his quote. He's like, 
I've got other things going on. I've got a family that I'm, I'm fully committed to. I've got businesses that I'm, that I'm invested in. The money is, you know, it's got to be really worth my time because I'm, I'm totally all in on that stuff now. So it's like, whoa, that actually sounds reasonable. And then he goes on to say, yeah, you know, my dad always told me, use football. Don't let football use you. And that was like, wow. Immediately resonated with me. I'm like, that makes sense because for so long in your life, you become a slave to the game. It's like everything you do, you live, breathe, eat, sleep, the, the sport, football in this case. And you can use football as a vehicle to get things done. And in most cases, it's to get a good education, to, to change your family's trajectory as far as generations, uh, 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 generational wealth. He set his kids up now. And, put, and he's like, I'm not going to go back to the grind, the ridicule, the beating, the, the demeaning, demeaning of quarterbacks for $5 million when I know the going rate right now is way more than that. Yeah. Like, I'm worth more than that. My time's worth more than that. And after I read the entirety of it, I'm like, huh, kind of makes sense. I see where he's coming from. Not the villain after all. He said, I have seven beautiful children. I love uh, taking a football practice, tennis practice, cheering practice, and all that. Uh, to get me up out, uh, taking them on a uh, day-to-day basis, taking them to school, those are the, some, uh, some of the things you have to consider. So he said, I'm, I'm still straight. I have business and, and things like that that can feed the monster. And then, of course, you know, those things were the things that I, I loved. And I was like, yeah, as a father, I get that. The, the, you can't replace that time with your kids. And doing that as a dad, that role, irreplaceable. <laughs> but then it came back to Cam Newton, and he's like, if you think I'm not better than one of the 32 out there, you're crazy. I'm definitely better. So it's like there's still, you know, the edge to him, which you appreciate. But the whole entirety of the conversation is on RG3's podcast. Everybody has a podcast now, and RG3 is one of them. I didn't know. But this one obviously put the podcast <laughs> to another level. Yeah. But Cam Newton opening up in that way, I think, put football in a different context for people. It was like it's just a job. Like if for every other person, if somebody came up to you with a job offer and it was like 10 percent of what you think you're worth and what your time is worth as, let's say, a lawyer, like somebody's like, hey, represent me for 5 percent of what you usually represent people for. You'd be like, no, what are you talking about? Get out of here. It's not worth my time. Plus, without saying it, and he may have said it in the podcast, but the stuff I read transcribed from it. It's the Jets. I mean, honestly, it's the Jets you're going in. Are you going to be able to catch up and learn the system quickly enough? It's, it, I'm not going to say it's a no-win situation, but if you fail, uh, it's going to be incredibly disappointing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust Hackett. I wouldn't trust the Jets. And, and he also he did allude to the situation because that's a part of it. He's going in to do what? Aaron Rodgers is still under contract for another year. He's planning on coming back this season. Am I just a placeholder? Are you trying to just put me out there and punish me for a few weeks yes. until Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the other thing I was yes. impressed with, too, was – and this kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation. He was highly complimentary about learning so much football from Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Yes. Which, so, which, which means it's important that he goes somewhere where he's got a proven duo at head coach and OC uh, after a really good experience in New England, which that's good to hear from Cam Newton because a lot of us right now are beating up Bill Belichick. But I think we've made the point Bill can't – not that I know the guy – um, it doesn't appear that he can do it on his own without someone really good as an OC. Bill O'Brien's there, but maybe they did way too much damage the last, you know, the last year or so to Mac Jones. Yeah, and they've done too much damage, I think, to their original plan, which was have a strong defense, play sound offense. That's all they did for the bulk of two decades. So I think, yeah, Bill, Je- Bill Pelichick may have lost a step, but he's still one of the greatest football minds that has ever graced 
the NFL. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. NFL Day with uh, Football Insider Caleb Herring here for all three hours, former UNLV quarterback, part of the UNLV broadcast, and the uh, co-host of the Barry Odom radio show, and uh, then also award-winning podcasts like UNLV All Access Podcast and the UNLV Broadcaster Bites. Some college football here, and then a lot more next hour, and then we've got all the NFL to get to. A lot of good storylines and a massive game, eh, at least for establishing, I don't know, some early season dominance with the Niners and the Cowboys. But in the college football world, the Big Ten kind of forced us to look at what the world will be in college football once the CFP is here and then once these conferences start growing and growing. That schedule release was really fascinating for the Big Ten. Fantastic, if you ask me. As a college football fan, someone who has no real dog in the race, uh, the Big Ten is wide open. I just love Big Ten football. I love watching it. It's great. It's great. There's a lot of naysayers with conference realignment, and they were, like, you know, making a big stink about, oh, it's just a money grab. Think about the travel for everybody. That's all they want. They're so selfish. It's all about the money with them. The reason I agree that it is all about the money, you're not going to hear any argument from me, but why is it all about the money? Because it's what everybody wants to see, and they know it. The eyes will be on the Big Ten. Once they got all these people together, the master plan of controlling all three of the time zones, it's going to work out to our favor as fans. We get to see this year, 2024, we get to see in the Big Ten schedule, just to rattle off some of the games, USC at Michigan, Penn State at USC, Wisconsin at USC, Washington at Penn State, Michigan at Washington, Oregon at Michigan, Oregon at Wisconsin, Ohio State at Oregon, all in the regular season. Who loses? Not me. I will be tuned in every oh. Saturday. Oh, there are losers. The losers are probably the ones that were screaming the most from the mountaintop. The coaches who will be on the hot seat, who will not have an easy path to the college playoffs, who will not have an easy path to the Big Ten championship. You look at Ohio State and Michigan right now, they're probably like, what the hell just happened? That's my regular season schedule? I'm not going to be undefeated going to the Big Ten Championship game? No. No, you're not. No shot. you got to go through Oregon. you got to go through SC. you got to go through Washington. Add those to your schedules. No offense, Steve. There's no more Rutgers. No more Rutgers for you during the season. It's over. Good. The Big Ten I'm, I'm being a, a cakewalk for the powerhouses is done. Trust me, I'm happy about that because when <laughs> I looked at the schedule, I was like, wow, the big boys got screwed. they got to play each other, and now they don't play. Illinois and Northwestern and uh, Rutgers and Indiana and eventually Iowa. It's good. It's going to make them look – it's kind of what, what happens in the SEC to a certain extent. I'm not saying there's a schedule like this, but then the teams in the middle and the bottom are like, hey, we're part of the SEC. We're, we're real good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to play every power in the conference. It's dragging on the coattail. Like, you don't have to play the whole slate. But this is going to be good for fans. I'm going to love it. That's awesome. the, the ratings are going to love it. Nobody's going to complain about it when they're watching nothing but good games on Saturday. Now, you might say that some of the, the group of five schools might lose some spotlight because the Saturday slate will be loaded with great games every week. But I will counter that and say the Friday and Thursday night football that comes on in college sometimes will be exceptionally 
eye-grabbing. Yep. Like, those teams that are probably middle of the pack on Saturdays now get the full spotlight. I'm just assuming, projecting that those Friday night games are going to feature some pretty big-time programs. Maybe not the Power 5 Michigan-Ohio States, but they're going to be good, entertaining games to watch on Fridays. So another opportunity for exposure for those schools in that case. But Saturday football is going to be immaculate based on what this Big Ten schedule is. I want more of it. Load it up. Give it to me now. And for the audience that listens all the time, I'm sorry that I'm right almost always when it comes to college football. And I was a, a man really kind of fighting gale force winds four years ago when people were complaining about balance and, oh, there's dominant programs. It's going to be the same Final Four every year. This sucks. And, like, NIL is coming. And even more important, the transfer market's coming. And kids are not going to stay around. I told you four years ago they're not going to stay around and not play. So quarterbacks don't stay very long to be backups. They move on. And even if they have to go from school five to school 77, if they're playing, they're into it. And it's already created balance. And that's the same thing for whatever position, cornerbacks, defensive linemen, offensive linemen. The offensive line market on the transfer portal was insane this offseason. People were like, where are they? We need linemen. Here's the next big step that's going to happen. What the Big Ten has signed themselves up for is they've already been a conference that has had trouble getting consistently elite, elite quarterbacks. Now, they have benefited from the transfer portal, but you know who's benefited? Places like, I mean, they're not doing great right now, and they got the game coming up here, but like Illinois, right? Yeah. Um, it's the mid-level and the bottom schools are getting guys who might not be playing in the Big 12. Or, but the other thing is, where's the sweetest spot in the entire country for quarterbacks? Your home state. California. Yep. It, it's Guess what? Now, now when Ohio State comes out, like they did with C.J. Stroud, when Michigan comes out looking for quarterbacks, when Penn State comes out looking for quarterbacks, any, any program in the Big Ten, they're going to look at them and go, wait, I can go to USC, UCLA, Oregon, or Washington. Get the frig out of here. I'm not going to the cold weather. Not that Oregon, Washington, or you know, balmy, right. but I don't have to go to your region of the country. I can stay near my region. My parents can get to the games, and it's probably nicer weather-wise. I'm not going to the Big Ten. So now I think the Big Ten's looking at it like, hey, we've just expanded our recruiting footprint. Well, on the flip side of it, the California kids don't have to leave. Right, and that's probably one of the biggest things that California kids would say is, why would I want to leave California? If you look at, like, Caleb Williams and what he's enjoying from a star aspect, like the market in Hollywood for NIL deals and the kind of agencies that are knocking he, at his door. He went the other way. He went 3,000 miles that exactly. way. Exactly. He bounced. He's like, I want to go to the West Coast. So, yeah, you may have had a stronghold if you're Michigan or Wisconsin or Ohio recruiting the Midwest, and that's probably why your offensive lines were always the most massive in the country, right? But now that stronghold's lifted a little bit. You're not selling Big Ten football to a, a, a minute fraction of the population. You got to compete with everybody now. You got to say, hey, Big Ten football is national. It's coast to coast, sea to shining sea. You can go anywhere you want to get Big Ten football. You think somebody's not going to stay at SC? Not going to stay in Southern California where the weather's better? Come on. You're kidding me with that. So you're not going to have a stronghold on the recruiting. You're going to have to cast a wider net, just like the rest of us. By the way, on NIL riches almost everywhere now spreading the players around the country who thought like 10 years ago that utah would step forward and go everyone on the team gets a sixty thousand dollar truck here you go like <laughs> wait what like you're the number 20 i don't know you know number 24 program in the country if you want to argue 18th everyone gets a truck yep you get it and you know what's funny is when this whole thing started i was like 
that would probably be one of the greatest things that these college towns can do. Dealerships, car dealerships in college towns, they're great money makers. Easily could have been done, and I was wondering who'd be the first to do it. Never would have thought the Utes jump into that wagon. I don't know how they figured it out. I don't know the logistics of it. I think it was all scholarship players got a car, got a truck, which is awesome. Recruiting, forget about it. You're going there, son. You're getting a car. You kidding me? You're getting a car. You're going to Utah. Forget about it. Come on down, watch the show here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. More importantly, watch sports on 55-plus TVs. Great menu, including my uh, some of my favorites, the Loco Mocha. We're inside the Treasure Island.